0: My name is Caleb Gabrelli, Most of you guys know me, but I have the privilege and honor of of leading our junior high ministry fusion um as well as playing a a role in our church planning efforts in West Africa. Uh, but this morning it just it feels good to be here. And I'm not I'm not talking about Labor Day weekend or, or waking up this morning or, or just this specific time, but Um, I speak on behalf of my wife, Amanda, and our two boys and our baby girl that we're expecting the 1st of November. Uh, Whenever I say that we are happy and just thrilled and honored to be a part of of this church, Uh, a lot of you guys don't know this, but I grew up um, in Northwest Arkansas. My dad was a pastor. Uh, My mom played the role of a pastor's wife, right? So she got to do pretty much everything. Uh, lead worship on sundays help with sunday school class make sure bulletins were printed all the all the stuff that a supporting uh, pastor's wife would do uh, so my brothers and i we experienced several different church families growing up but now that, that i'm a grown man i've got a family of my own uh, we are so thankful that god has given us a, a place right here in this particular church community so thank you guys for allowing us to be a part of it uh, first thing this morning that I would like to do spend a few minutes catching you up to speed on what's been going on in our student ministries So we've got our junior high which is fusion and then our senior high that we call forge uh, Wade bryant and myself have really been honing in on the overarching purpose of grace point student ministry. So some of you guys You've heard mentioned maybe around the church or seen it in a bulletin the words. No be share No, be, share. That pertains to everything that we want our students to get from the time they enter junior high ministry in sixth grade to the time they graduate high school and go on to college. We want them to know God. We want them to know the story from Genesis to Revelation. We want them to know who they are, their identity through Jesus Christ. And then we want them to be, to know what it means to be a follower of Jesus according to Scripture. And then the share part is pretty obvious. We want to equip them to share their faith. A couple of weeks ago, as I was speaking to junior high students, we asked ourselves this question. We said, do I know about God or do I really know God? Do I just kind of know about God, kind of know about the church, kind of know, yeah, Jesus is the son of God. I, I have some of the books of the Bible memorized. Or do I really know God in this intimate, personal way? And then I said, you know what, guys? I'm asking this question because I want us to evaluate our own lives and determine whether or not our actions in our daily lives align with our response to that question. And then last week, we talked about three really important things that we need to be if we are going to claim to be Christians. If we're going to say that we are followers of Jesus. And so number one, we said, okay, if we're going to be followers of Jesus, then we need to be confident. And from Scripture, we determine that confidence comes from trusting and obeying in God and acknowledging that we're actually not in control. Kind of kind of the opposite of what I grew up thinking about confidence because I thought that if I worked out enough or if I practiced hard enough or if I studied hard enough, I should be able to walk around with confidence. But scripture tells us, you know what, you need to be confident through what Jesus has done for you. And then next we said, if we're going to be followers of Jesus, are we available or do we pack our, our daily lives so full of activities and stuff for our own entertainment that we're just not even really available to truly live for Jesus? We're not, I just, I don't have time to study the Bible. You know, I've I've got a lot, I'm, you know, I told the students, I was like, maybe you're taking AP classes, maybe you're practicing a lot to adapt it to you guys. Maybe, maybe you just, you're working hard through the week. You're putting in long hours. You haven't seen the family much. You don't, you're, I don't have time to spend time in prayer. I deserve a weekend. I don't, I don't, God would be okay if I didn't join a communitas group or go to church all the time. And then lastly, we said, okay, if we're going to be followers of Jesus, then we've got to be committed. And everyone is committed to something. We're all committed to something. But are we committed to Jesus like we often find ourselves committed to things in this world, like our boats and our vacations? Our cars that we clean and polish weekly, sometimes daily, want to keep them shiny. Uh, our Jeeps and our trucks that we put a lift kit on and the big rims and the wheels and tires, and then we Google search the next coolest thing that we're going to do to it. our jobs, our dreams of retirement, our obsession with sports, the times that we spend on our kids from practice to practice and practice and traveling team, and the list goes on and on. But what if, stay with me, no one get up and leave, okay? Don't get mad at me. What if... Our commitments to live for Jesus Christ look like any of our commitments to those things. So this past couple of weeks in student ministry, they're tough weeks. Uh, from Scripture, we found that Jesus wasn't just butterflies and fairy tales, right? I say that all the time. But what if, what if we want to live for Jesus? Well, Jesus said, if you're going to follow me, that's going to call for major life transformation, If you brought your Bibles this morning, turn to the book of Acts. Acts chapter 16, you'll find it in the New Testament. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts. Uh, It'll be up on the screen as well, and if you want to use... A smartphone or a smart device for your Bible app, perfectly okay with that. Although your junior high student would tell you differently because on Wednesday nights, I place baskets across the front of the stage. And before I preach, I say, everyone come up and drop their cell phones in this basket. Because I know you're saying you're looking at the Bible app, but when every one of those Instagram and tweets and Facebook notifications come through, you're going to get distracted. But for you guys, I trust you. I trust you. No one would do that in here. I know. No one's playing fantasy football right now. I know. All right, Acts 16, sixteen I'm going to read all the way through verse 34, so follow along with me or listen however you want to do it. It says, once when we were going to the place of prayer, we were met by a slave girl who had a spirit by which she predicted the future. She earned a great deal of money for her owners by fortune telling. This girl followed Paul and the rest of us shouting, these men are servants of the most high God who are telling you the way to be saved. And she kept this up for many days. Finally, Paul became so troubled that he turned around and said to the spirit, in the name of Jesus Christ, I command you to come out of her. And at that moment, the spirit left her. When the owners of the slave girl realized that their hope of making money was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace to face the authorities. They brought them before the magistrates and said, these men are Jews and are throwing our city into an uproar by advocating customs unlawful for us Romans to accept or practice. The crowd joined in the attack against Paul and Silas and the magistrates ordered them to be stripped and beaten. After they had been severely flogged, they were thrown into prison and the jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. Upon receiving such orders, he put them in the inner cell and fastened their feet in the stocks. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly there was a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. At once all the prison doors flew open, and everybody's chains came loose. The jailer woke up, and when he saw the prison doors open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself because he thought the prisoners had escaped. But Paul shouted, Don't harm yourself. We're all here. The jailer called for the lights, rushed in, and fell trembling before Paul and Silas. He then brought them out and asked, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they replied, Believe in the Lord Jesus, and you will be saved, you and your household. And then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all the others in his house. At that hour of the night, the jailer took them and washed their wounds Then immediately he and all his family were baptized. The jailer brought them into his house, set a meal before them. He was filled with joy because he had come to believe in God, he and his whole family. Would you guys pray with me? Uh, Dear God, we, uh, here, here we are before you this morning. And God, I, I want to thank you, Lord, um, that we can be in this place and we can worship you in, in whatever form or posture of worship we find, whether it's hands raised, whether it's on our knees, whether it's sitting, standing. God, we can be reading truth from Scripture this morning. And God, there, there is no one beating down our doors, threatening our lives. God, I thank you for the freedom that we have to worship in this place. God, this morning as I speak, um, God, I want to ask you to speak to the individuals in this room from your word, from truth, God, not, not from something that might be my opinion or my thought or something I've put together, but God, would you speak to the hearts of the people this morning? We love you and it's in your name we pray, amen. How many of you guys have heard someone say or you have said, Sharing is caring. Raise your, don't be ashamed. Raise your hand. Sharing is caring. I have said that so many times and I'm not, I'm not sure if it just sounds so cheesy or if I've just used it in sarcasm too many times to take it seriously, but it really is a valuable statement. So this morning, I want you to turn to the person next to you and with no form of sarcasm, I want you to attempt to tell them that sharing is caring. Go ahead. That was not convincing. Okay. We're going to do this. Uh, your, your second choice, okay? Your second choice, the person on the other side of you, maybe behind you or in front of you, no form of sarcasm, tell them, sharing is caring. You guys can't do it. You can't do it. Sh- sharing truly is caring, but that phrase is so cheesy. You can't do it. Children hear this from their parents at an early age. Uh, I believe from the time the human sin nature is, is leading our children to fight over a silly toy or to fight over a piece of candy, but there's several different forms of sharing. Children, hear from their parents. Parents, we tell our kids, it's important to share your stuff. It's important to share your toys with people. We've designed computers to share data. Uh, businesses see the value in profit sharing. People, us, we find it, so extremely important to share every detail of our day on social media. Hashtag selfie, right? That one drives me crazy to the point that I I have threatened to quit using social media. Um, if I am not in ministry with students trying to communicate with them through every avenue possible, which is so often social media... I I would threaten to remove Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter all from my phone. Not because I not because I hate social media, but just because it just wears me down. And it seems to me that on social media, sharing is just sharing everything about your life and all the places that you get to go and all the people you get to see and all the stuff that you get to have, but you're only telling them things. They aren't receiving something in common with you. They aren't getting an equal part of what you're sharing. Because if you were sharing like that, I'd be getting to go to the beach. And I'd be getting to go deep sea fishing. And I'd get my tan on. And I'd get to go to the Boston concert because you'd hook me up with tickets, right? Because that would be sharing. But I can't, compl- I can't play completely innocent. Because as I was writing this, I was like, maybe I should look back through my social media. And while I may not have albums full of selfies... I have proudly posted some of my, what I consider trophies, my, my big bucks, because I'm a hunter. Sorry if there's any like animal rights activists in here. Um, I, I've, I've shared pictures of my big deer and my trophies and, and all of my success from hunting. But I am not about to share with you my hunting spots. You can't have them. If there are other hunters in here, I won't tell you where I hunt. I won't tell you what I do. It's not happening. So I can't play completely innocent. But the way that we practice sharing these days as adults and grown-ups, it's different from how our mom and dad taught us to share. And it's different from how we as moms and dads teach our kids to share. And it's different from how we see sharing in Scripture. If you're taking notes this morning, I want you to write down a few ways that you can practice sharing your faith. Uh, Pastor Mike who's not with us he's been he's been preaching through this message series called quest and he's talked about the pursuit of love the the pursuit of belonging and the pursuit of becoming but this morning in this message series we're going to begin to switch gears and I want to talk about putting this seeking and this pursuit into practice. And so I'm going to give you three ways that you can practice sharing your faith. And this comes from the scripture that we just read through together. And we're going to look back through a little bit here in a moment. Number one, you can practice sharing your faith by example. Practice sharing your faith by example. Read verse 25 with me again or I'll read it and you can can just listen. But it says, about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God and the other prisoners were listening to them. Interesting um, time of day to choose to do that. But let me read that again. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening to them. Guys, at this moment, they weren't out preaching on the streets to whoever might listen. Paul and Silas were were thrown into prison after being beaten. And let me just paint you a little bit better of a picture because I want you to fully understand the context in which they were in prison praying and singing hymns to God because it wasn't after a hard week of work that they were praying and singing hymns to God. It wasn't after they didn't get the raise that they were hoping for. It wasn't after they dropped their iPhone and it shattered the glass. It wasn't after their sports team lost the big game. It wasn't after someone cut them off on the highway. They're praying and they're singing hymns to God. Didn't come from a choice to keep their heads held high after any of that. That would have been nothing in the name of Jesus Christ. They commanded a demon to come out of a girl who was a slave whose owners were making money off of her because she was fortune-telling in the city. Verse 19, When the owners of the slave girl realized that their hope of making money was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and they dragged them to the authorities. I thought that they were helping this girl. And they find themselves in prison. You know what follows? Verse 22 through 24, they were stripped and they were beaten. Stripped and beaten. And not just beaten, but severely flogged. Roman style. I've taught on this a little bit before. The Hebrew law, under Hebrew law, a criminal that that was going to be beaten, they can only be lashed 40 times. And so the people that were flogging them and lashing them would often count to 39 and then stop just in case they miscounted because they didn't want to commit a crime while they were beating a criminal for committing a crime. The Roman law, the way that these guys were severely flogged, Romans had no limit except for the fact that the victim should be left with just enough energy to carry their own cross to their place of execution. But that didn't happen here. God didn't let it, and we're going to get to that in just a second. After their flogging, this Roman-style flogging, they're taken to the inner cell we see in Scripture. Their feet are fastened into stocks. We are talking maximum security for a couple of guys that cast a demon out of a girl. They're suffering... They're in tremendous pain. And what do they do? They pray and they sing to God. After all of that, they pray and they sing to God. Were they doing anything to be noticed by others? In any way at all, were they, were they attempting to, to bring glory to themselves, to, to bring attention to themselves, to receive any type of acknowledgement, to make their name known, <laughs> hashtag selfie? I don't think they were in prison taking snapshots of themselves like, sweet, we just got flogged. Not, not happening. Their faith in God led them to worship Him despite their own current circumstances because of their trust and their obedience and their confidence in the Lord. And that sort of thing does not go unnoticed, especially in a prison, because word traveled fast about their beating, and now other prisoners are hearing them. Still give praise and glory to God at midnight. So what point am I trying to make? Your example, your example means everything. Why you do what you do represents what you believe and who you live for. I'll say that again. Why you do what you do represents what you believe and who you live for. You know, it's interesting. Thinking of sharing by example, you can often share your faith by example without even knowing it. Um, and we've talked about this in staff before on how we need to be careful when we're driving, right? Because your aggressive driving might uh, lead someone to believe that you're just a terrible person, especially if they follow you into the church, right? But your example can also be fleshed out in a good way. And uh, you, can, you can share your example so many times without knowing it. I was in residential construction for about 10 years and uh, during that time, I partnered with my wife's parents, and we built spec homes and custom homes and did remodels, mainly in Bella Vista. Um, but during that time, I worked with, with some pretty crude people, some pretty crude people. Early on in my marriage, as my construction career has just, just taken off. I landed a job out at Walmart Warehouse. I believe it's DC 6094, the one out by the warehouse. And I don't know if any of you know warehouse work, but it can be pretty crude as well. And so this is early on in my career. My walk with the Lord isn't where it should be. I'm not even going to church at that time. And people would come up to me in the warehouse that I was kind of working around. And they'd say, man, what's, what's up with you? And I wanted to be like, what's up with you? But no, I didn't say that. But they, they'd say, no, there's just something different about you. Like, how can you work here and not be so hateful? Because this job stinks. Uh, how can what what's there's something different about your life and I would walk away from those questions of people asking me that Confused because I wasn't preaching to them. I wasn't sharing my life story. I didn't even think I was setting a good example to be honest with you I wasn't Singing and, and praising god at midnight. I wasn't wearing the black face paint under my eyes that said john three sixteen. I wasn't doing any of that but they were seeing God in my life, not not from me, but God was using some aspect of my attitude and my example to make himself known, to shine his light through me. Paul and Silas, these guys had faith, these guys had hope, and they shared that simply through their example. So share your faith by example because people watch what you do. People take notice. People see you when you don't realize it. This next one's huge. Number two, share with urgency. With urgency. Quick. Be fast about it. Starting in verse 26, Paul and Silas are praying and singing, God provides an earthquake. This prison is completely shaken. The prison doors fly open. The chains come loose. And guess who are now free men? I, I could see myself in this scene like it's some type of movie. I mean, okay, think about it. They cast a demon out of a girl. They're dragged to the authorities. They're flogged Roman style. They're locked down in the inner cell. All of a sudden an earthquake shatters the place. You're free. I would have run. I mean, I'm serious. I would have run with the determination of Forrest Gump. And you know what I'm talking about? Because his beard grew so much because he just kept going and going. You think Jared Sears, our worship pastor on sabbatical, has a good beard? Uh Uh-uh. I would have run so far like I'm talking Duck Dynasty out of control. I would have just kept going and going. You thought my goatee that I had was long. That was nothing. I would have mastered long-distance running if this were me. But not Paul and Silas. Not these guys. Their urgency isn't in their own safety. Their lives were not about them. Right after all of this chaos in the middle of the night when this prison has just experienced this, this earthquake that knocks down the walls, shatters the place, the prisoners are allowed to escape, Paul and Silas see this guard getting ready to take his own life. You see, the rule in those days was if a Roman soldier lost a prisoner for any reason, He had to pay with his own life. So here's Paul and Silas. And here's freedom just right here. And I imagine the other prisoners, they're like, do we go? Do we we stay? We could get out of here. What do we do? I don't know. And Paul and Silas right in this moment see the Roman captor, sword drawn, ready to off himself. And Paul forgets about himself. And he shouts, don't harm yourself. We're all here. Why he did what he did. Represented what he believed and who he was living for. And with the same urgency that I would have had to run for my life to each his own. I'm out of here. Paul and Silas place all their attention on saving this guard. And I don't mean just saving him from suicide. But I mean urgently sharing with him life-changing good news. Which leads us to our last point. Share with others by speaking truth. Practice sharing your faith with others by speaking truth. Well, let me ask you guys something real quick. Have you ever wanted to share your faith with someone so bad? Like not, not this huge life story, but just share your faith with someone. And you were like this close, but then, but then you didn't do it? Like this morning, if if that's you, if at some point in your life, or maybe last week, you just you were this close but then you didn't do it raise your hand my, my hands up it's tough It it is so tough thank you for being honest but it's tough because we have a world and a culture around us who often condemns us or judges us if, if we try to insert you know god or jesus into any type of conversation and uh have you found how a conversation just can can really get weird and awkward as soon as you say something about your faith? It just, I mean, as soon as you go to say something, whether you're at the gym or whether you're eating lunch with a coworker, maybe you're at college classes, whatever it is, as soon as you just try to say something and you mention Jesus or God or maybe even where you go to church, it just, you knot up inside and it feels like all of a sudden the room is silent and you can hear a pin drop. It just gets weird. But have you ever experienced a time When it just seems so natural. And it's just this, it's so easy and it just flows out of your mouth and you don't even know what you're doing, but all of a sudden you're like, I'm sharing my faith with somebody. I can remember uh, from one of my early trips to West Africa. And while there was some really meaningful conversations that I had with some incredible people of a different people group, none of the conversations on this trip I'm thinking of stand out. Like the conversation I had with the guy sitting next to me on the plane flight home. This guy, he's a French guy. He's from Paris. He flies and he works in the States for a few months and then he goes back home. And all the way home, this guy is asking me questions about my faith. And I'm doing my best to answer them. And I'm not saying anything profound. I'm keeping it really simple. And the next thing I know, like, we're landing in the States. I'm like, oh my gosh, we've been talking this whole way and it just, it just flew by pun intended. But we get to the States and my friend Pete, Pete Finfrock, he was sitting in the row in front of me with his brother on the way home from that global adventure. He just kind of looks at me and he's just kind of laughing and he's just kind of in disbelief. He's like, man, I thought that that dude that you were talking next to for the last eight hours, I thought that he was going to accept Jesus like in the plane. And I said, Pete, that was, that, that wasn't me. Like, God just kept prompting me to, to share stuff with him, and I just kept speaking truth. And, and Pete, like, I, I know, like, so many of these little verses in the Bible, and I know what to say in those moments, but when he began talking to me, I, I didn't know what to say. And I probably sounded so stupid, but Pete was like, no, man, I think you made an impact in his life. And it dawned on me, if we just speak truth, how it's God who, who speaks to the person's heart. It's not our words, and it's not what we're doing or saying. This prison guard, shaking and probably completely frightened over what just happened. He, he says to Paul and Silas, what must I do to be saved? Are you kidding me? That, that's like trying to get a hit off of Nolan Ryan, one of the best pitchers in baseball. You're trying to get a hit off of him. And Nolan Ryan says, you know what? Why don't you just hit off the tee this time? And you're like, sweet, I can do that. I can get a hit off Nolan Ryan. He just teed that one up for me. Paul and Silas were flogged. They were thrown into a Roman prison under guard. God provides an earthquake. They see their guard getting ready to kill himself. They stop him and the guard begs of them because clearly their example and their urgency has now impacted more than just the other prisoners that are hearing them. And he begs of them and says, guys, what must I do to be saved? I mean, he's basically saying, I want what you have. I want to know the God who you so faithfully served that after being beaten almost to death, you're still singing praises to. And you know what Paul and Silas don't say in that moment? They don't say, man, dude, that's awesome. We're going to be praying for you. They don't don't say, you know what? You know what? you got to come to church with me, come to church. They don't do that. Verse 31, they reply, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. Verse 32, then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all the others in his house. Then he and all of his family were baptized. They simply shared truth. They, they didn't, they didn't fancy it all up. They, they didn't, they didn't, they just spoke the word of the Lord to them. How often do we do that? I think for myself and maybe for many of you, we get overwhelmed and we're fearful of sharing our faith because we got to have all the right words. And we got to say, we got to say like sanctification, you know, and redemption At least eight times. And then we've gotta, we've gotta talk about how this, this beautiful lamb, it bled and it was crucified. And we gotta like put this violence in it, right? And it bridged like this huge valley that there must have been between us and eternal life. No, we don't have to do that. Just speak truth. You don't have to have all these fancy words. First Peter 3.15 says, always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks, who asks of you to give the reason for the hope that you have always be prepared. I wasn't prepared whenever I worked at the warehouse, and whenever I was in construction. God began preparing me, but I wasn't prepared. And I was like, oh, I don't know. Just speak truthfully. You know, I think that's one reason why I love this family, the, the Robertson family from Duck Dynasty. I think that's one reason why they have so much favor from God. I I think that they just tell people they are who they are because God loves them. God allowed his son to die for them so that they might have eternal life. Without him, they'd have nothing. And I believe that's probably why they have so much favor from God because they don't point any attention to themselves. They're just like, man, I I don't do nothing. God just works through me. God's given me these abilities, these talents. We can knock Tim Tebow and we can laugh in disbelief at how terrible of an NFL quarterback he was despite the fact that he led the Broncos to the 2011 playoffs and won the first game. I had to put that in there. But the guy clearly shares by example. He's not ashamed. He doesn't waste any time doing it. And John 3, 16, right here on his face, man, that's God's love in its simplest scriptural form. Speak your faith. I'm sorry, share your faith by example. Share it with some urgency. Share it by just speaking truth. J.D. Greer, uh, famous author, speaker, um, writer, pastor, I love his book, Gospel. But J.D. Greer has a quote, and he said, Imagine that you were walking by a railroad track, and you came upon a young child lying on the tracks, hurt and unable to move. You hear a train coming in the distance. If you pick the child up, you will rescue him. If you do not, he will die. What do you do? Do you get down on your knees, pray, and ask God what his will is? And then wait for a warm, fuzzy feeling confirming that it is his will that you rescue the child? Church, some of you, you know God. And it's that intimate, personal knowledge you have of God that has led you into a relationship with him. Share this love and this hope, and this joy that you have found. You have been given one of the best gifts, probably the best gift you could ever imagine, eternal life. Don't hoard that to yourself. The people that you see day in and day out at the gym, your coworkers, the people you eat lunch with, the people you go to school with, whoever, the people that God has placed you in their path, maybe God has placed them in your path, share with them. And when you leave this place this morning, or any Sunday or any time you leave your communitas group, don't leave and go be a different person. Share by example. Don't waste your time and, and don't give up. Don't give up when you don't have the words to speak. Don't give up. Seek the Lord. He will guide you through it. Some of you, you might only know about God. Whenever I first talked about what we asked in the student ministry, you may have been saying that's... That's more me. I, you know, I've grown. I've, I've grown up going to church. We were always in church. You know, my my whatever it was, my grandparents and my parents. They taught me about God, and I know some of the Bible. But I've never really had that intimate, personal relationship that you're talking about. And I, I don't. I, I don't think I share in this salvation and this gift you speak of. If that's you this morning, I want to give you an opportunity to respond, because I don't want to just tell you about something that I have. And it's not my intentions to talk about a gift that I've received and just talk about it. And and I'm not going to post a selfie of me up here speaking in big church. That's not what this is about. This is me standing before you this morning saying that I'm a sinner and I need Christ. And I place Jesus as my Savior. And it is only because God took on human flesh and came down to this earth and lived a perfect life. And died for my sins. And died for your sins. He rose again. And because of that, the old me is gone. The new me has come. And I desperately want to share with you this morning. I want you to take an equal part of what I have. I want you to receive it. You don't know how badly. I want the people that are in this room right now that have never proclaimed Christ as Savior of their life to come forward when the band starts playing and say, Caleb, I want to believe. I want to confess. I want to give my life to Jesus Christ. And so I'm going to close in prayer. And as soon as I'm finished praying, I'm going to stand right down here. And if you want to come talk with me and say, Caleb, I want to receive this gift this morning that you speak of that has brought you hope and joy. And come on. God, we love you, Lord. And I thank you for working on our hearts. I thank you for those moments, Lord, when we struggle to share our faith with others and we feel this knot inside of us. God, knowing that it is you prompting us to say something because, God, you you didn't change our hearts and give us this eternal gift of life for us to just keep it to ourselves. So, God, when we feel that prompting, when we feel that knot in our stomach, God, give us the boldness to share you with others. God, if there are people in this room that don't know you, God, you you give them that prompting in their heart, that sick feeling in their stomach right now. And God, give them the boldness to walk up front and say, I'm ready. Amen.